2: 5-4-3, no. Tampa Bay screws up a double play that could have ended the game, and the Cubs have plenty of life in the bottom of the ninth inning, down 4-3. Base is loaded, only one out. And I think it was the former South Bend Cub making the air. It was Isaac Paredes at third through to second. And according to the umpire, it brought the second baseman off the bag. So maybe the Cubs will sweep Tampa Bay. And we might have a review to see if the second baseman was still on the bag. So hold everything. A lot going on at Old Wrigley Field. Hello everyone. Welcome to the program Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beep from Sports Radio 960. WSBT, we are streaming live at WSBTradio.com on our free WSBT radio app, and also a live video stream of the program right now on the Twitch app. My name is Darren Pritchett. Great to have you on board. I hope you've had a terrific final day of May. This Wednesday, May 31st of 2023, it is nine minutes after 5 o'clock, Budweiser's weekday sports beat will be off the air tonight right around 6.15 as we step aside for South Bend Cubs baseball as they are in downtown Fort Wayne getting ready to take on those pesky 10 caps. The San Diego Padres affiliate South Bend halted a five game losing streak last night by winning a slugfest 11 to 8. So Cubs and Tin Caps tonight 6:35 first pitch, 6:15 pregame on your home of the Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, on this program this evening at about 5:30, we're going to be talking Notre Dame football with our Notre Dame Football Beat Reporter for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. He is Tyler Horka. Normally he joins me at 6.05, but we've got an early baseball start, so Tyler, kind enough to jump on board at 5.30 tonight. We'll have our Twitter question of the day before the top of the hour. We have some sports wagering talk to get to in the 6 o'clock hour right before Cub baseball here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A busy afternoon of baseball. I don't know if you follow – Baseball on Twitter if you're a baseball fan. But the teams do a pretty good job of sending out video clips. Well, a lot of people were sending out clips of two of the home runs hit by the Angels today at the White Sox. Shohei Ohtani apparently hit one about 470 feet. And Mike Trout just a little short of that. The two longest home runs this year at Guaranteed Rate Field take place today against White Sox starter Lance Lynn. Angels win 12-5. Ohtani it's two tanks. Lynn, four innings, eight hits, eight earned runs. His ERA just south of seven. Not good news for the Chicago White Sox as they fall to the Angels. And how about the Tigers? I mentioned this during the sports update, but unless you're paying attention, the Tigers are only a game and a half out of first place in the AL Central, even though they're under 500 in either of these Central Divisions. If you're close to 500, you have a chance to make the postseason. Now, for me, June 1st is always the first day to really take the standing seriously. We're past the small sample size stage of the season, and we're starting to understand who the teams are at this particular time, so we'll go through that tomorrow. But the Tigers are right there in an up-for-grabs, AL Central, and they won today over the AL West-leading Texas Rangers 3-2 as Jake Marisnik had an RBI single in the sixth inning. I guess Eduardo Rodriguez, the ace of the Tigers, went on the injured list, and what a decision coming up for the Tigers as he could opt out at the end of the year. You want him to stay in the pennant race, but do you trade him knowing that you might lose him? Interesting and our favorite hitter, Miles Masterboney, up in a big spot for the Cubs, and he strikes out with the bases loaded. I wish someone in the Cub front office would just text me, email me, and explain to me why there is such a fascination with this guy. Hitting near the top of the order, you don't pitch hit for him in that key spot with the bases loaded and one out when you only need contact and he strikes out. I don't get it, but that's why I'm a broadcaster, not a baseball analytics or manager. Although, I still don't think I'm wrong, but that's a story for another day. The one thing about the Cubs today, maybe you have to hold your breath. Justin Steele, the outstanding Cub left-hander, the starting pitcher, left today's game after three innings with left forearm tightness. Now, that's a guy that's had Tommy John surgery within the last couple of years. So, hopefully, it is a minor injury involving the outstanding Cub left-handed starting pitcher Justin Steele. Well, that at bat may not matter because Jan Gomes is up and he's worked the count to 3-0 with two outs and the base is loaded and the Cubs down a run in the bottom of the ninth inning. So unless this pitcher throws three straight strikes, we're going to have a tie game here in just a moment or maybe Gomes wins it with a base hit. And he takes a strike that might have been a ball. We'll give you an update on that game coming up in just a moment. Let's get started with our hat trick of opening topics here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT as Gomes swings through ball 4. So 3 and 2 the count. Let's start with just some general college football conversation. As Gomes fouls off the next. All right. So NBC paid a lot of money to be a part of the brand new Big Ten Conference media deal. Reportedly, they are paying an annual rights fee of $350 million to put Big Ten content on their stations. And the Cubs lose 4-3 as Gomes lines out to left. All right. So the Big Ten paying a lot of money to put on Big Ten games. CBS has a part of the Big Ten football package. It will take the place of the SEC Saturday afternoon deal. But for the Big Ten and NBC, it's going to be a partnership bringing you primetime football on Saturdays. And it sounds like more games are going to be announced, but we know a majority of the schedule today. And there are some quote-unquote interesting September games for NBC, who, again, paid $350 million this year and every year remaining on the contract. This is an annual payment. And we now know some of the matchups, including September 2nd, 7.30. This is not a bad matchup. At least you got Power 5 teams in action. West Virginia – without a doubt the farthest east Big 12 team, at least for now. Who knows with more teams probably changing divisions, they might have company on the east coast in the Big 12. But West Virginia going to Happy Valley to take on the Big 10's Penn State Nittany Lions. So that's not a bad first game. I'm not sure it's, let's don't go out to dinner, honey. Let's stay home and watch West Virginia and Penn State, but an okay game. September 9th, Again, let's remember the $350 million NBC is paying annually for Big Ten games. What do they get on September 9th at 7.30? We're going to College Park. I'm not sure the history of this matchup. I'm guessing not much to write home about. Your Maryland Terrapins are taking on Charlotte. That is a primetime game on NBC. Charlotte at Maryland. Honey, let's go out to dinner. Nothing to see here. September 16th, NBC, primetime football. This is It's better than Charlotte, Maryland, but does Syracuse going to West Lafayette taking on Purdue excite you? Unless you're a Boilermaker fan, of course, you're going to be excited, see your team in primetime. But if you're not a Boilermaker fan, Does that get you all fired up for an NBC primetime game? I think we're so used to ABC and even Fox and CBS. When they put on a primetime game, it's must-see TV normally. Usually really good matchups. So far, I'm not sure those three fall into the category. West Virginia, Penn State, Charlotte, Maryland, Syracuse, Purdue. September 23rd, yeah, this will work. Ohio State at Notre Dame. Sign me up for that. October 14th, USC at Notre Dame, primetime NBC. Sign me up for that. And then the other two games that they've announced so far, okay. November the 11th, 7.30 kickoff. It's probably going to be a blowout, but at least it's two large programs. Michigan State going to the horseshoe to take on Ohio State. And then a game moved. So I believe Black Friday, November 24th at 7.30, Michigan State is giving up a home game to play in the home of the Detroit Lions. Maybe the soon-to-be 2023 NFC North champion Detroit Lions. It'll be Michigan State hosting Penn State. So the Nittany Lions, talking to a friend of mine who covers all the Penn State sports, he believes this is the year that Penn State truly can compete with Michigan and Ohio State in football? We shall see if that is reality or not. That's a big ask right now. But a break for Penn State, you don't have to go to East Lansing. And we know Spartan Stadium can be tricky, even though the Spartans are probably going to be down. But, hey, I'd rather play a neutral side game than going to East Lansing So you get to play at Ford Field against Michigan State. That's a plus for Penn State. Now they've announced three Peacock games. We know Notre Dame and Central Michigan is going to be on Peacock. But involving the Big Ten package, three games have been announced. Well, Michigan fans, you're going to get a taste of what it's like to be a Notre Dame fan because one of your games is only going to be on Peacock. September 2nd at noon, those mighty Pirates from East Carolina Continuing the tradition of absolute barn burner non-conference football played by the Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, East Carolina at the big house to take on the Wolverines. Hey, strength of schedule. You win out. It doesn't really matter if you're Michigan. You can play all these bad non-conference games. You're on the table. You're in the playoff. They proved that last year. Also, just on Peacock. Are you ready for September 9th? Delaware at Penn State. And this is actually a pretty good game to only be on Peacock. September 16th at 5 o'clock. Washington with Michael Penix Jr. at quarterback, a Heisman hopeful going to Spartan Stadium to take on Michigan State. So, that is an early look at the NBC Big Ten package what they are going to offer you. I'll remind you throughout the summer. So it's on your calendar. September 9th at 7.30, Charlotte at Maryland. I'm sure we'll spend at least 45 minutes on that game the following Monday here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Boy, it's a lot of cash. And is there a good game Good, good, good game so far. I mean, Michigan State, unless they're a lot better, that's probably going to be a blowout against Ohio State, a blowout against Penn State. There's really not a great game. Hopefully they sell a lot of advertising for those games. All right, so that's our first of three hat trick of opening topics on the program. And by the way, I should mention this, the Notre Dame-North Carolina State football game on September 9th now has a start time. So, Notre Dame at North Carolina State, September 9th. Please, no hurricane. It will be an early start, a noon kickoff for the Fighting Irish. That's game number three on the schedule. See, that's what we're doing. We are getting you ready for Charlotte at Maryland, 730, September 9th, by starting with Notre Dame-NC State, September 9th at noon, right here on Sports Radio 960. WSBT. So, the Irish across the pond taking on Navy in Week 0, then Week 1 taking on Tennessee State, and then off to Raleigh in a very interesting ball game against North Carolina State, and that is that dreaded early kickoff. We'll see what happens. Noon start time for the Fighting Irish against North Carolina State. Hat trick of opening topics. Number two for tonight, the NL Central in May is no Picasso. It's more like a kindergartner throwing paint at a canvas. This division is horrid, and it's so bad. How bad is it? It is so bad that you can be seven games under 500 and in last place and have big aspirations of winning the National League Central. But in May, it got really ugly. Here are the records of the teams in the NL Central in the month of May. The fifth worst record in the NL Central in May, your Pittsburgh Pirates, who are 7 and 18. They might end the month with a victory. Right now, they lead the Giants 8 3 in the sixth inning. But right now, the Pirates are 7 18. The fourth best record in the NL Central in May your Chicago Cubs. Losing today means that the Cubs in May 10 wins and 18 losses. But don't fear. In the standings, they only lost a game to the first place team. Going 10 and 18, you lost one game in the standings. That's because your NL Central leading Milwaukee Brewers only had the third best record in the NL Central. But third best doesn't mean great. 10 and 16, the record of the Brew Crew. Brewers at Toronto tonight. The second best record in the National League Central. I tell you what, if you're a Reds fan, You've got some exciting things coming up in the next year or so. You have some really fun prospects helping this team. Matthew McClain, their shortstop, boy, he is off to a red-hot start with his Major League career. got one of the top prospects in the minors, an outfielder that's ready to come up at any time. So the Reds are coming. And you know what? They were okay this month. They are 13-13 and 13 in the month of May, and that's the second-best record in the Central. And congratulations to the team who had the audacity at the end of spring training to put up a graphic that they were the spring training champions because they had the best record. I mean, who cares? But the team with the best record in the NL Central in May... The St. Louis Cardinals, they are done for May. They're off today and tomorrow. St. Louis, the best record in the Central, but 15 wins and 13 losses. Up to the second, the Brewers lead the NL Central by a game over Pittsburgh, who right now they're winning by five runs. The Reds are three back, and the Cubs and the Cardinals are tied for fourth Four and a half games out of first place. If you love misery, you love the National League Central. And this could be a division where the winner wins 85 games. And it's really going to show this year the changes to the Major League Baseball schedule hurting the NL Central. The best couple of teams in the NL Central could beat up on the three bad teams. Last year, the Cardinals and the Brewers could beat up on the Cubs, the Reds, and the Pirates, who weren't trying to win. I'm not sure the Cubs are totally trying to win now. It's better than last year. Pirates, young players are doing well. The Reds are a lot better. So there are not going to be as many wins for these teams because you are playing now everybody in Major League Baseball, which means you're playing less games against the bad teams in your division. That's going to hurt the NL Central and likely mean only one team – Will make the playoffs the survivor of the Slugfest. Who will win the division title in the NL Central? The odds makers say the Brewers have the best chance. St. Louis has the second best chance. If the Cardinals trade for some pitching, they might be the team to beat, but they're highly inconsistent at this time. We'll talk more about the standings across baseball tomorrow on the uh, official day to really start looking at the standings June 1st and our third and final hat trick of opening topics for tonight. Should we be concerned about one of the top Chicago cub prospects? I'm talking about Brennan Davis coming out of the 2019 South Bend cub season. Davis was the number three prospect in the Cubs system. That was his breakout year, and it was in South Bend. He hit 305 with a 381 on base percentage. His slugging was 525, really good. The OPS outstanding, 906, eight homers, and 30 knocked in. Two times in the second half of that 2019 season, Brennan Davis suffered a finger injury hit by pitches on the same digit and it sure looked like he was not going to play in the postseason end of the regular season he was working out but he was not told he was going to play the Cubs might just put him on the back burner and wait till next year I remember talking to him one day in the dugout during batting practice and he said you know I just want to play I'm ready to go I'm ready to play I went to our manager at the time, Buddy Bailey, and said, Buddy, I don't mean to sick my nose in, but I just got to tell you this. I was talking to Brennan. Here's what he told me. He's ready to go. He wants to be in the playoffs. He wants to win a ring. And we had a conversation at that point. Buddy and I. Buddy was great. We could talk baseball all the time, and he loved talking baseball. And we, we talked it over, and. Not too long after, Brennan Davis was playing the last two games of the regular season and played in the postseason and was a big reason why something won the 2019 title. I am not saying me speaking up led to Brennan playing. I don't know what happened after I talked to Buddy, but I just made sure I told Buddy that, hey, this guy's ready to play. He is chomping at the bit. He wants to win. And knowing Buddy, he might have said something because – there was a third baseman he wanted for the playoffs that was not on our roster, and he got it done. That was also your Chris Morell was healthy, and they did not restart him for us in the postseason. We got Levi Jordan, who turned out to be a fantastic defensive player and came up with some key hits, including a home run in the clincher. And Buddy felt like they couldn't win the championship without Levi Jordan. So Buddy had a lot of say. Buddy Bailey is the one that told the Cubs do not release David Bodie when they were ready to release David Bodie. He explained to them how he could help them. They kept him. You know what he did at the major league level for a couple of years for the Cubs? It was a big part of it. Buddy Bailey is a smart baseball guy. But back to Brennan Davis. So coming out of the 19 season, all of a sudden, this looked like the starting left fielder for the Cubs in the not-too-distant future. Going into the 2020 campaign, the top three prospects in the Cubs system, Nico Horner, pitcher Braylon Marquez, and Davis. In fact, in all of baseball, Brennan Davis was the number 78 prospect. A lot of hopes with this guy. I told you many times on the program, this guy is going to be a major league player. He has all the talents. But then some weird stuff happened. Of course, 2020, COVID hit, slowing down his momentum, did not play that year. You move forward to 2022. Last year, played in only 22 games in April and was shut down due to a back injury. He told Marquee Sports Network he was dealing with awful sciatic pain to the point where his right foot was numb. Now, he had surgery, and the surgeons found he had a genetic issue, a cluster of blood vessels. So it was actually kind of a quick fix. Now, playing in three leagues last year, he ended up with 214 at-bats. He hit 180 with a 299 on base and a 597 OPS. Five homers, 17 RBI. You were hoping, coming off the surgery, he just struggled to find his rhythm. Maybe his body was still getting back in shape. Whatever the case may be, it was not the ending you were looking for or he was looking for. And now we look at the 2023 season. Brennan Davis is at AAA Iowa. Healthy. 167 at bats. Right now he's hitting 188. With a 317 on base, his slugging is 283. That's extremely low. The OPS is extremely low 600, three homers, and 17 knocked in. Did a little research today. I found nothing that he's not healthy. If he is not healthy, it's not being talked about. But this is concerning because you kind of felt like this was the guy they were grooming for left field. I don't think you'd want him every day in center. I don't believe his arm is strong enough for right field. I thought he was a perfect left fielder. But now you got to be concerned. This is a second year of hitting below 200. Now the injury is a factor last year. Cannot say that enough. But look where things stand right now with the Chicago Cubs. Even though they're rebuilding, think about the outfield where Brennan Davis could play and where things stand the next couple of years. Now, players can be traded. Injuries happen. So anything's possible. But generally speaking, this is where we stand with the Cubs in the outfield. I thought the Cubs would trade Ian Happ at the deadline, final year of his contract, But instead, before the season started, Hap got a multi-year deal to stay with the Chicago Cubs. That caught me off guard because I thought Davis would be the heir apparent to that spot. Now, Hap has had a nice rise in offensive production the last year. Last year, so much better from the right side. That was a bugaboo the year before. So Hap, unless he's traded, is your left fielder probably for the next couple of years. Now, in right field, you got Seiya Suzuki, who you gave a lot of money to to come over as an international free agent. Years left on his contract. Your center fielder is Cody Bellinger. It was just a one-year deal. The Cubs took a shot at him after a couple of bad years with the Dodgers, and he has performed very well. He is one of the Jeb Hoyer free agent signings that's worked out this year and worked out extremely well. The Cubs might be able to flip him for a nice return at the trade deadline. Which opens up center. Now, again, Davis could play there, but the problem is you got Pete Crow Armstrong at double A. A fantastic defensive player. Great speed, great range. He's hitting at double A. So you would have to imagine Pete Crow Armstrong is the guy that probably will be the center fielder next year. So you could have Hap, Crow Armstrong, and Suzuki as your outfield. The problem also is it looks like Owen Cassie is passing Davis as an outfield prospect. He's at AA. He was a South Bend Cub last year, and he is showing great power, and really he is the only piece from the U Darvish deal that has a chance to be profitable. The others have not worked out. The Cubs Scouts took a chance on a lot of young guys that were unproven, and it looks like it's going to blow up on their face, except for Owen, who might be the savior of in that deal, sending you Darvish to San Diego. So Davis has been injured. The production has been down ever since, ever since. Not saying he's done. The Cubs have gave up on him. It's just concerning to see him struggling. So far this year, we're two months into the season, hitting below 200, and he's just not producing like he did before the injury. Let me also add this. Now this, I have no idea If it factors into what's happening right now. But after the 2019 South Bend Cubs season, I think it was after that year. It might have been the year after, but I'm pretty sure it was after our year. They changed his swing. And I don't know if that's been a factor in all this. The injury probably is the biggest detractor in his skills right now. But it's just surprising to see him struggle the way he has so far. At AAA. So, Brendan Davis as a prospect, it's not over, but you got to be a little concerned that he is just not hitting the way he did a couple of years ago when he became a big time prospect as a South Bend Cub in 2019. So, keep an eye on Brendan Davis at AAA Iowa. We'll take a timeout. More sports speed coming up. We'll talk to Tyler Horka next on WSBT. All right, Abby, thank you very much. Sportspeak continues, 541 on this Wednesday evening. I'm Darren Pritchett. Tyler Horka is the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. He normally joins me Wednesday at 6.05, but we have a short show tonight, so he's been kind enough to move into the 5 o'clock hour today. And I guess if we were a late-night talk show, normally we have that hockey banner to start the particular segment, but... With both of our teams now out of the Stanley Cup final, I guess. Tyler, we're going to have to start thinking about some different banner. Maybe your first place Texas Rangers is where we go.
3: Yeah, and that's not even a sore point today as yeah. they lost to the uh, Detroit Tigers. So maybe we'll hold that up. But I see a stat today that this is the best start through May 31st in franchise history. So yeah, yeah. I think we will have a baseball team to talk about in the next
2: couple months. Bob Brenley is one of the great managers, so that's a pretty good guy to steer the ship down there in Arlington. So, that's good to know. Hey, I tell you what, the Tigers are a game and a half out of first. That's happened very quietly, although everybody's in the race in the NL Central <laughs> and the AL Central. It's, yeah. it's good to be a fan in those divisions. Everybody is still alive. All right, let's get to some Notre Dame football conversation here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Tyler, Devin Ford is the latest member of this Notre Dame football program. Started out at Penn State, played there for four years, although he left the program in October of last year. And everything I've read, Tyler, this was a guy in demand coming out of high school, a four-star running back, and his ability to play for Penn State just seemed to diminish every year. So what is your read on Devin Ford and how do you think he fits into this Notre Dame running back room?
3: Yeah, I think some of that stuff at Penn State was injury-related. And once you have an injury, can kind of derail your career. I kind of look at Chris Tyree as a guy that happened a couple of years ago. When Kyron Williams is still here, Chris Tyree's in his sophomore year. Everyone thinks that once Williams does leave, which has ended up being that year after his junior season, Tyree was going to be that guy. But then... You have Audrey Guestamé come in, Logan Diggs come in, suddenly you're number three on the totem pole. It's the smallest of things that can derail a guy's career at a certain school. Luckily for these guys today, they can just hit the transfer portal and say, hey, I want to finish this thing elsewhere. And that's what Devin Ford did. He's coming to Notre Dame. I think it's a pretty good situation, both the school and the player, because obviously I just mentioned Diggs. He's going to LSU. It looks like Tyree is going to be a full-time wide receiver. I'm kind of putting all of my chips in that basket still. You might see him get a few carries here and there. But that's why you bring a guy like Ford in because now you don't really feel hard-pressed to give Chris Tyree some emergency carries, if that's what you call it, with Logan Diggs all of a sudden going out the door after the spring game. So I think obviously Devin Ford is a guy that comes in and immediately has the second, if you're excluding Chris Tyree immediately has the second most experience of any Notre Dame running back right there alongside Audric Estime. So what you're looking at, there's a potential one, two punch. Now is Janarian Price going to potentially be more productive than Devin Ford? Maybe even Jeremiah Love as a true freshman, we'd be remiss if we did not include DeBron Payne in this conversation with what we saw from him in the spring. So at the at the end of the day, this gives Notre Dame more depth in the running back room, or, you know, it's kind of a contingency plan for Logan Diggs leaving. And then for Ford, it's an opportunity, like I said, to potentially come in and say, hey, I've done it at this level, not at a very high level, and not, uh, you know, for I mean, I think he had, what, 160 carries, something like that, mm-hmm. which is right what Andre Destame has in two years, so he hasn't done it over a four-year body of work in terms of a career, but he could instantly come in, and this might be the best year of his career if he is that one-two punch with Odric Estime. So I think there's a lot of potential there.
2: We spent a lot of time on this show last year, and also on Game Day Sports Beat debating. Should the Irish go just with Estime and Diggs as the running backs, but Dylan McCullough, the running back coach, really likes the three-man rotation, and he doubled down this spring. Now, this was before Logan Diggs went to the portal, but he was asked about the three-man rotation, and he anticipates going down that road once again this year. When you add in this Penn State running back to that running back room, does it look like it to you that we're going to see that three-man running back rotation once again this year, even though you've got what appears to be a guy that you can ride in Audric Estime?
3: Yeah, it's going to be tricky because if you do have Estime, and I mean Estime is a guy who's averaged six yards per carry for his career, and really that was just last year. He only had seven carries as a freshman, but you're talking two seasons – Uh, Again, around 160 carries, 6 yards per carry. If if that holds up and he's able to do that, then why don't you give him 200, maybe even 250 carries? So if if some of those other guys aren't producing at a really good clip, you're going to hear grumblings on the message board within (laughs) the fan base of people saying, you have Audrey Estame, keep using him. But obviously, the more you use him, the more susceptible he is to injury. So that's why you do use some other guys. I think what you're going to see is Estimate be a clear and away number one. So that's already a difference from last year because him and Logan Diggs, I think Diggs had 165 carries, Estime had 156. So they were both right there. I think you see Estime bump up closer to the 200 range. And then from there, it's how do you make up those lost carries between, you know, you're losing Chris Tyree to the wide receiver room, you're losing Logan Diggs to LSU, that's a hundred or 265 carries between those two guys last year. I think Notre Dame's going to throw the ball a little bit more with Sam Hartman. So there's part of the solution, but you're going to need a couple other guys to scrounge up probably north of a hundred carries between the two. It's going to be about figuring out who those two are you kind of figure Ford is going to be one just because of the experience. So then you've got a couple sophomores in Payne and price, and then the freshman in love who can be that third guy. So, The roundabout way to answer your question, yes, I do think you see three guys most of the time, but we knew who those three guys were going to be last year. This year, it's about finding out who they are. SMA is definitely one. You think Ford's going to be one, but if he doesn't produce, I mean, this is a meritocracy. Even though he came in, it doesn't mean he has to play. You've got four guys at your disposal to try to slide into two spots there for the 2-3 designation.
2: Blue and Gold Illustrated's Tyler Horkum, my guest here on WSBT Radio. Michael Mayer is now a Las Vegas Raider. We didn't get to see a lot from the tight end position this spring due to a couple of injuries right now on the depth chart. As you move forward toward the season with a brand new offensive coordinator, and we're not quite sure the total philosophy of Jared Parker at this particular time and how it differs from Tommy Reese. Tommy Reese was really good at getting the football to the tight ends. And I think that's why Nick Saban was interested in Reese. He wants the football in the hands of tight ends more to take care of some advantages that he believes he can get from the opposing defense. So Tommy's at Alabama. Parker is now the offensive coordinator here in South Bend do you have an anticipation of how important the tight end will be to this offense with Parker involved?
3: Well, first of all, you said Las Vegas and the Dallas stars fan and me already has PTSD. (laughs) So thanks for that. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, But to uh, to answer your question, uh, this is going to be even more of a trial and error than at the running back position, which we just discussed because you are losing a guy that was, was pretty much your whole offense. I mean, I've said it a few times here and other places that Michael Mayer had over 100 targets. The next most targeted Notre Dame player last year was Lorenzo Stiles, mm-hmm. and I think it was somewhere around 50. So, I mean, you're you're talking half as much. And, and even that guy's not here anymore, mind you. Uh, he wasn't great with the drops and all that, and obviously he needed the fresh start. That's why he's at Ohio State. But you're losing the two players that quarterbacks threw the most to for Notre Dame last year. And tight end outside of Michael Mayer last year, was basically non-existent. You were happy to see Mitch Evans start the, the the bowl game against South Carolina and come up with three catches for 39 yards and a touchdown. Touchdown ended up being the game winner with around two minutes left. But, I mean, that being the case, you're talking about a guy that had two catches through 58 minutes in that game. So it is going to be interesting to see what Jer- Jared Parker is able to do with these guys. It's a lot easier when you have a Michael Mayer. I'll never forget uh, a quote that Parker said. It was either last spring or maybe even last fall. Uh, he just said, your job is a lot easier when you have someone like number 87 on your team. And it was, because you saw that even with a quarterback like Drew Pine, who had his limitations, those are well spelled out. They were still able to move the ball a little bit, when in doubt, throw it to 87. And he had one of the most phenomenal years at a tight end has ever had here really the best he left as the best tight end so you don't have that anymore i think mitch evans can be a number one but he's got to stay healthy i mean he wore a big brace on his i think it was his right arm his right elbow for the entirety of spring we did not see him play in the blue gold game so that gives you a little bit of caution and a little bit something to be wary of because you need health at that position and just going further down that route you have two guys in Eli Raritan and Kevin Bauman who are both coming back from ACL injuries. So, yeah. I mean, that, that is a rough and tough position. Jared Parker knows better than anybody else that you need to be healthy. And, and I mean, that was another thing that mayor was just an absolute warrior. I mean, I think he only missed uh, maybe that Virginia tech game in 2021. And then obviously he sat out this past bowl game, but he was healthy for pretty much his entire career. Now you're looking at some guys who have not been able to say that through their careers so that's interesting. But first things first, you have to nail down who's going to be a number one guy because, I mean, tight ends, you can have two to three to, two, two to three of them on the field at any given time. One of those guys is pretty much always going to be the same. Yeah. Who is that? Is it Evans? Is it Bauman? Is it Rardon? even if he's fully healthy? And then you've got, you got to figure out the guys that can fill in the cracks. So it's going to be interesting because this is a program that has long built its reputation on – having some of the best tight ends in the country. But right now, as it stands, there's a bunch of unproven guys in that room who have got to go out there and show that they can do it.
2: Hopefully the tight end position has more touchdown receptions than quarterback sneaks in 2023. Yes. Yes. Hey, let, let me ask you this. Caleb Williams is the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. The USC quarterback will lead the Trojans into South Bend October 14th. Throwing Williams to the side, who's the next best quarterback that the Irish will face in 2023?
3: Yeah, it's kind of crazy because last year they faced Williams and obviously Drake May and every list that you, you look at, those are the two best yep. quarterbacks in college football going into 2023. So you're a little bit lucky to take May out of there because I think he's probably going to have his best season yet. and um Really, people are really going to start talking about him in the NFL draft spheres as well. But for this year for Notre Dame, I think it's probably got to be Brennan Armstrong, which is pretty intriguing because he pops up on Notre Dame's schedule uh, as the first true road game, uh, really week two of the college football season. But Notre Dame's week three because they're playing in week zero, obviously. So uh, that's going to be an interesting game. Uh, Brennan Armstrong and Sam Hartman know each other well from the ACC, Brendan Armstrong is now with the offensive coordinator who, I mean, really kind of made him a household name in college football a couple of years ago when he was just throwing for an incredible amount of yards, a lot of touchdowns. Those numbers came way down without that offensive coordinator this year. But reuniting with him last year, reuniting with him this year at NC State, I think he's going to have another really good year. You've got to remember that when all the talks for Notre Dame – was who are they going to get from the transfer portal? Who's the guy? And ended up being Sam Hartman. I think that sure. was the right choice. But you had people saying, hey, maybe Brennan Armstrong can reinvent his career in South Bend. And I think a lot of people were on board with that. Now you got to face that guy. And it's interesting for Armstrong, too, because he would have loved to play in that game when he was having that phenomenal season for Virginia in 2021. But, I mean, he was so beat up. That offensive line was, pretty, he was still putting up those numbers. He gets another chance. This year, and I think that's going to be um, really intriguing for him, and really intriguing for Notre Dame as a whole. Because, like I told you, it's it's it feels very trap game-ish to me, being that it's the first road game. Uh, it, Notre Dame's going to be kind of exhausted by that point in the season already, which is which is kind of crazy, but. Uh, they have to fend off a pretty good quarterback in front of Armstrong that
2: week, too. And the wild cards, old Cade Club down in Clemson, the 19-year-old. Let's yeah. see what he can do taking over that Clemson football team. Tyler, we're running short on time. Those, uh, Go ahead. The,
3: just real quickly, those Ohio State quarterbacks, too. If it's True. Kyle McCord yep. or Devin Brown, those are both five-star guys, too. So definitely wild cards. I think that's a good way to describe
2: it. Running short on time, Tyler, a quick thought on what's happening at blueandgold.com.
3: Yeah, a whole bunch. Uh, obviously, it's kind of the dog days of summer, but uh, really we're working on this um, preview magazine. I've plugged it a couple times on these interviews. That Any link that you find on blueandgold.com, if you scroll to the bottom, you'll find a pre-order link for the 2023 Notre Dame football preview magazine at Blue and Gold. I mean, it's 160 pages. They're all glossy, really well put together, something you can keep not just this year for the rest of your life, And if Notre Dame does something special in 2023, you're going to want to have that thing too. So get to blueandgold.com, find those links, sign up uh, for the online version of what we do as well, covering Notre Dame football like nobody else.
2: Uh, There you go, Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Thanks for jumping on board today. We'll talk to you next week.
3: All right, thanks, Darren.
2: Thank you, sir. Tyler Horka. Talking all things Notre Dame football here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, 556 at WSBT. Looking to take your
1: business career to the next level? Bethel University in Mishawaka, Indiana has you covered. Our MBA and MA and organizational leadership programs are tailored to working professionals, providing the flexibility to choose between online or on-campus options. You can now gain the skills and knowledge you need to become a successful leader on your own terms. Join the Bethel University community and position yourself for success. Visit Bethel University. University. edu ground to request more information and apply today.
0: Show me the money. We go with Sisla. We go with Sisla.
2: 606 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett. We have just about nine minutes left in our program for this Wednesday evening, and we have some sports wagering conversation to get to. Scouts Honor. I've got four picks from last night's show. We did not get them on the air. We just ran out of time with a Another shortened show. So here's what I took last night. I went 2-2. Two two. I had the Rays Raves minus one and a half runs at the Cubs with Shane McClanahan on the mound against Kyle Hendricks, who got roughed up the first time. That didn't work out. Cubbies won 2-1 yesterday. Should have won today, losing to Tampa 4-3. Also last night, I had the Cardinals under four and a half runs against the Royals at plus 110. They've been awful offensively the last week, so... I took a chance on the Cardinals not scoring, and they didn't. Only two runs scored in a 2-1 win, so we took the Cardinals over. Or I'm sorry, under four and a half runs at plus 110. You bet ten, you win twenty one dollars. Marlins and Padres down in Miami. I back Sandy Alcantara and the Marlins on the money line at minus 135. They are up four two in the seventh. <laughs> They gave up seven runs after that, lost 9-4. And finally, Rangers and Tigers last night. I went with Martin Perez and the Rangers on the money line at minus 130. It was a wild one. Rangers won 10-6. So we were 2-2 two two on last night's program. For the month of May, we're going to finish over 500 at 43-37-1 for the year. 162-139-3. and And we are 49-43 and on our Major League picks so far this year. So we're up $35.82 if we bet $10 on all 92 of those suggestions. We've got four more suggestions for you tonight. A light card since there was so much afternoon baseball. But let's give it a shot. We'll start with a parlay, which never works, right? Reds, Luke Weaver, the starting pitcher will not get the win. Plus the Astros on the money line. That parlay is plus 102. You bet 10. You win 2020. Marlins pitcher Braxton Garrett has struck out over four and a half batters in two of his last three starts. I'll take him over four and a half strikeouts tonight against the Padres at minus one forty-five. I've got the Phillies on the money line at the Mets at minus 115. You bet 10, you win 1869. It's Aaron Nola versus Carlos Carrasco. And finally, out on the West Coast, the Mariners will bounce back after losing to the Yankees last night. George Kirby will outduel Clark Schmidt. Mariners on the money line at minus 140. You bet 10, you win 1714. Budweiser's Weekday Sports be brought to you by Budweiser, the King of Beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawak and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Barnaby's the family inn. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is the story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. And Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit betheluniversity.edu slash solid ground. For details, we'll talk to you tomorrow at 5 on WSBT.
1: Hey, Freedom Fred here from Grody Automotive. The doctor told me I need to turn it down a notch so my heart doesn't explode.